Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary in particular, patrons, what's up? Uh, thanks for supporting the show. It is time for the season premiere of Game of Thrones. It's time for Sleep With Me. Oh, hey, patrons, I'm going to try to get these out a day or two early when I can. But because of the nature of uh, like uh, Game of Thrones, I'm not going to be able to get it out a week early. Uh, so uh, as soon as the edits are done, uh, I, I will upload. Uh, and thanks for supporting the show. Well, let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep? Welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it's a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to do is try to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts uh, you're thinking about, stuff on your mind, uh, physical feelings, emotions bubbling up or, you know, churning, any kind of churning. You know, here's, I don't know if I said this in an opening. It is possible, though. Don't churn any butter in bed. Uh, how about that for rhyme? But, butter your bread, don't butter it in bed. There's a, there's, a, there's a t-shirt. And there's a slogan to live by. When you butter your bread, don't do... I guess it's all, it's a it three-quarter uh, slogan. Not quite there. We'll get, hopefully, we'll, I'll remember to get back to that. Buttering and churning. Here's a question that dairy, the dairy cows asked themselves. How do we sleep when the butter's churning? Hey, that's a, That was a cheap uh, midnight oil joke. Uh, anyway, uh, okay, if you're new here... Oh, wait, where was I? I was barely... So this is a podcast to put you to sleep, but we do it with a bedtime story, as I said. Try to create a safe place where you can be distracted from whatever's keeping you awake, whether... It, oh, I said that. So so the safe place is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, tangents... Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, which a dragon, that dragon stone. I wanted to say dragon glass, but that would make me in the end of a dragon glass. Uh, I'd be on the butt end of a dragon glass, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, Khaleesi, hello, Khaleesi, are you there? Can you hear me? I mean, I could use an interpreter to interpret interpret my j- gibberish, uh, but she's in love with someone else. Uh, Alas, anyway, uh, back to the new listeners. So I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to try to use different things. One, to make you feel welcome. I'm glad you're here. And I really hope I can help you fall asleep because I've been there, uh, tossing, turning, angst-ridden, I would say. Like saying, geez, why can't I just fall asleep? Why like, why has it got to be such a pain in the dragon glass? Also, anybody's asking regular Game of Thrones listeners, yes, I will do a Stannis interpretation at, at some point. Maybe for the Blue Apron mid-roll. Uh, but so, what was I saying? So, if you're new here, uh, a couple things. I'll give you the structure of the show. Uh, it starts out with about six minutes of business. If you're new, it's a sleep podcast. So we got to do that out front. It enables us, uh, the sponsors enable us to keep our archives free. So, supporting those go directly towards keeping the archives free. And so we talk about the sponsors, we talk about the patron, patrons who help uh, like uh, pay for some of the labor that goes into the show. So we got to do the business up front. That's how we keep the whole podcast free and all the archives free, or the people that uh, listen to that. If you're new here, it's not that important. If you're a regular listener, it is critical. So when you touch your refrigerator tomorrow, please remember to check the show notes or go over to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash sponsors. 
But if you're new, you can kind of, you, you know, thanks for sticking around to, for the beginning of the business. Uh, then what we do after the business is uh, there's an intro. Usually it's about 12 minutes of me uh, fixate. I guess I'm metaphor fixate. I don't know if I'm fixated on metaphors or metaphor fixated. Metaphor is obsessed. Uh, obsessively metaphoring. There's another autobiography I could write. Uh, maybe that would just be a chapter. Obsessively metaphoring. I think that will be a chapter uh, on something I'm working on. But of course, when you're obsessing, you're not usually doing it the like. So I usually try to create a metaphor for the podcast and uh, ramble about it, and uh, that's the intro. Some people use it to, to get ready for bed. More and more people are using it on their commutes or the whole podcast. But the in- intro is kind of like it's different every time, but it's familiar, so you know you're in the safe place. That I'm glad you're here. And if you're new, like, then we'll talk about Game of Thrones after. The episodes will be about about an hour. So I'm here to keep your company in the deep, dark night, like I said, to take your mind off of stuff, uh, to try to make it, like, to try to add some levity to bedtime, because I know it can get just terribly serious for me. And there's a couple other things if you're new. One, this is weird. It's a podcast you don't need to listen to. You can just barely kind of listen even if you like Game of Thrones, it's really going to be like this was a like a like the uh, opening episode, so it was awesome. But you know, it was more disc- like it was a play set, a, set, a check-in type thing. So, but e- even if you were as riveted as I was the three times I've watched it, uh, and we're going to cue it up a fourth time here on mute. Even if, like, I'll, I won't, I won't be doing it justice. Like, I'll be doing it justice by putting you to sleep. Uh, so, and then you can listen tomorrow if you say, "Well, I got to hear what Scoots had to say." I mean, I'll tell you what. I like. I'll, I'll start with the ending. That that, that dress and the Khaleesi. I like. I would like to like uh, do a silent round of applause. Uh, for the uh, embroider, like the costume, I mean, I, I know that's a lock for the Emmy every year, I would think, uh, the costumes on Game of Thrones. Holy cow. And, and the other ones. And so we'll be talking about that. We'll even be getting input because I watched the first time with about uh, 10 people, uh, family members and future family members. And so, uh, like, I like to watch the show wrapped with total silence, but when you're watching with a group of family, you know, they can comment. So uh, I'll add in some, a few observations I heard in the room here. Oh, so you don't need, but here's the thing. You don't really need to listen to me. That's what I was trying to say, but it took me about five minutes. So so you just kind of listen, you kick back and you drift off whenever you feel like it. But you also should feel no pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here at least an hour. Next, starting next week, our Game of Thrones episodes will be over an hour because they're monstrous in the best way possible. Uh, so, so you're like, I'll be here to keep you company. This is more like a keep you company cast, uh, a friend that's keeping you company that you don't like. There's no social thing where you should feel like, well, I got to entertain this person or at least make them feel heard. No, no, you make me feel heard by doing whatever you, you know, you, you want to, uh, you know, whatever you want to do. Ideally, you, you drift off, but there is a portion of listeners that listen to this maybe for for, for company in the deep, dark night. They're not going to fall asleep. People that are waking up in the middle of the night or people that are like during the day, they say, geez, I need a little Calgon bath to take me away. And that's like my, you know, my mouth's full of hot air and bubbles anyway. So, uh, 
I'm kind of like a washing machine in a 1930s comedy when they, they put too much soap bubbles in there and then it overflows and everything. I was just talking about Laurel. Believe it or not, I was just talking about Laurel and Hardy about 20 minutes ago with somebody. And we had a disagreement because they were a Castell, Abbott and Costello person. We didn't really have a disagreement. We agreed to disagree. And they had pretty good reasons, and I had pretty good reasons. What does that have? So, so that's, that's a mini tangent. It was going to go on a tangent about buttering your bread in bed uh, and churning butter, but I think, uh, like, uh, I don't know, I think as a reasonable person, like, well, we were going to say that when you get in bed, don't butter your bread. I guess it could be a metaphor, but uh, you really don't like you don't need to butter your bread the night before. That could be another one. That's is that a truism or what's that one? Uh, is that a platitude? One day, like I guess, like what do you aspire to? Well, one day I'd like to uh, create some platitudes, uh, or whatever the like pithy sayings, uh, like whatever the most negative version of those two things is. Is it trite or is trite for something shorter? Uh, you know, you can't butter your bread ahead of time. I, I think it like the bread butterist. There you go. Uh, who could we get? Who could we get in that? That does sound like a. Uh, that does sound a bit like a. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, but I, I think we have, we're on to something. You can't churn your butter and you can't churn butter and bread. It, <laughs> mush mouth. I got it. I do have that. You can't churn butter and be, bread. Be, you can't churn butter in bed. Somebody get Sally off of those seashells, seashells on the seashore, and and see if she wants to uh, consult with me about a new the new uh, tongue twisters. I mean, I I do give this shout out uh, every once in a while uh, to everyone at Bridesmaids, uh, the Bridesmaids movie that came out years ago. I read that script before I saw the movie about ten times, the production script, because it was up for an Oscar, I believe. And it was so funny when uh, uh, Kristen Wiig's character, e- even in the writing where she said, uh, there's a colonial woman churning butter uh, churning butter on the wing of the plane. It, it, it crushed me. But then when Kristen Wiig delivered the lines in the movie, it was 10 times funnier. And I mean, I was crying, laughing, just reading that. Uh, so anyway, what does all this have to do with sleep? I guess it's meant to be friendly. I'm like a friend coming over that's talking nonsense. That's what it's meant to be. Now, if you're new, if you came here because you love Game of Thrones, holy cow, do I love Game of Thrones. So this isn't some sort of, uh, I lo- oh man, I love Game of Thrones so much. Uh, and I really enjoyed this episode, so I can't wait to talk about it. But, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll like... Uh, I'm developing a, like a new, like a, like a third, there's a, here's another great New Yorker article. There was one about uh, short order cooks and how their brains work. This was again about 12 years ago when I had a New Yorker subscription and I, I uh, had a lot of time I was procrastinating with uh, reading the uh, articles, uh, but I'm developing like a short, a short border cook, like a short border cook brain. So like, even when I try to, like, even when stuff comes up in the episode, I'll try to like talk like this and, uh, It'd be like, well, one, did T- I don't know if Tyrion had any dialogue in this episode. I don't think he did, and I know I saw at the tail end when Weiss and Benioff were talking about it, but I was just thinking, wow, he had no dialogue. Uh, either the Varys with some terrific acting with both of them uh, with no dialogue, everyone in the Khaleesi crew. And that's how I think it would be, the Khaleesi crew. You wouldn't say Khaleesi's crew. The Khaleesi crew, I, I mean, that's just, I mean... 
the Dragon Queen's Brood. Yeah, that could be another one, uh, uh, Starcraft Brain. You know, get Kerrigan over here. Well, let's let's uh, let's do a mashup. Uh, Starcraft meets GOT. Kerrigan vs. Khaleesi. Game of Thrones 2. Well, you're right. Cersei, Cersei would be in charge of the Terrans, I guess. Uh, Protoss would probably be... Oh, boy. I don't know. I guess like I, well, let's not let's not go on a whole StarCraft uh, Game of Thrones tangent just 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 yet. Uh, so if you're new here, I'm glad you came by. This is a silly podcast to take your mind off stuff, keep you company, and ideally put you in a situation where you could be distracted. I I, I almost can guarantee, you know, with all my churning and buttering of bread, I would like to butter you up like a piece of bread. I'll tell you that much. How you doing? And I mean, it, that's that's metaphorically. I mean, if you're talking about non-metaphorically, Masande, well, boy, probably not butter, but but uh, any, maybe uh, some cocoa butter. Uh, anyway, I get holy, my brain is. So if you're new here, I appreciate you coming by. Podcast is different. It's a little bit like different from a Game of Thrones podcast. Different from any most podcasts. Different from anything. I'm a different person. And yes, I did watch a lot of Different World back in the day. You bet your bottom dollar I did, Annie. There could be, I guess those are pretty far apart, Annie and, and uh, well, they both were different worlds. You're right, it's the same thing. Anyway, holy cow, should I do a StarCraft Different World Game of Thrones mashup? Uh, maybe. Well, let, let's talk about it another time because I'm just trying to close this intro. So if you're new... uh this podcast doesn't work for everybody. Like, you know, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. So, like, give it a few tries. That's what most reviewers say. If you're coming into this skeptical, I don't blame you one bit. Like, what the heck is this? this guy? What's this guy even talking? Like, right, but I'm, a, I'm talking about it and being ridiculous in the most friendly way I can. So if it doesn't work for you, I'm sorry. If you're not sure, I mean, most people that didn't work for it, they hung up just like a telephone call back in the day. So if you're still here, give it a few tries. Like, what do you have to lose? It's free podcast, you know, and I hope it helps you. There was just someone that really rewrote a review recently, and their first review was, like, pretty rough. Uh, it called me a muttering cheech and a bunch of things. And they went out of the way. I want to thank them. And they went out of the way of revising their review, leaving their old review in there to show the contrast of their experience. So give it a few tries, just like that person. They're, after even after a couple episodes, they were like, "What is this?" Uh, but then they like learned that it's like, "What is what is this?" It's like I'm like a house plan or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what that. I'm just churning. My brain's full of churned butter. By the way, it was churn. It was churned. It was over churned. Uh, so anyway, I'm glad you're here. That's what I'm trying to say. I appreciate you coming by. I work very hard. I strive and I yearn to help you fall asleep, all right? Thanks for thanks for listening. All right, everybody. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 1, Dragonstone. So good. It's been too long. I mean, uh, really miss Game of Thrones. It's really hard, uh, you know, like, I guess that's the kind of personality I have, empty personality I have, but I'm like, man, only seven episodes. How am I going to do it? But it's so glad to be back in the ar- arms of these characters, uh, familiar friends, and maybe a story arc with some characters that we, I feel like I love that we haven't spent enough time with. But maybe that's because I love them because we haven't spent too much time with them. 
Now, don't adjust your uh, don't adjust your what do you call it uh, headphones or anything. I am on the road here, so uh, like uh, Sweet Terry Lake, Ontario, here in a cabin. So, uh, as, as I said in the opening, but just to reiterate, like this will be a little bit shorter. Won't have uh, Tom and and uh, Pounce and uh, the prayers old gods and the new and the thank yous, just because it'll be too disruptive. Those are recorded in studio. But we'll be, you know, we'll be back with those. So don't you worry uh, next week because those are ready to go. And uh, if you're new to Game of Thrones, you haven't seen it, you know, you'd have to weigh out uh, the spoilers. But I think uh, the show isn't spoiler free because I'm going to be talking about the episode. But uh, it'll be it'll be meandering and and, and slow to get there. So, uh, yeah, Dragonstone, uh, season one, episode seven, opens with a cold open, as they say. I call it a teaser. People that know what they're talking about, like my brother and Weiss and Benioff, they call it a cold open. And, oh, boy, was this one iced cold. So good. What like uh, what an opening. And for those of you that saw it, you, you like, I don't know if it evolved, the scene evolved, uh, for you, as it did for me, but it, it it took me a while to dawn on me what was happening, and even when it dawned on the the brighter folks among me, like it, I I didn't quite understand what they were saying. Like it was very disorienting. Like, and that's one of my favorite things about Game of Thrones is the misdirection and their ability to disorient. But it starts with uh, Walder Frey's fingers on a table he's listening to the noise of his feast his eyes move he pounds his goblin and he stands he makes a speech he even laughs at his own joke and then he snaps when the wine's ready to come out and i wondered what the candle budget was for this episode uh like he's in this great hall with all his family all the phrase he's like hey wonder why you wonder why your old uh old uncle walder's having two feasts in one time it's because you're so great uh and he he stands up to deliver this uh what does this say campbell abel with method thanks candelabras with melting wax so yeah there's some cool candelabras like covered in uh, melted layers and layers of melted wax I don't know if that was from um, like uh, like just this party, like the party's been going for that long because they're just about to have the toast. And he says, well, let's bust out the good wine for everybody, not Dornish wine, you know, the good stuff, uh, Arbor Gold, proper wines for proper heroes. I was still like, huh, okay, is this a flat? I don't know when this is taking place. There's something weird here. And everyone stands and they drink, but he doesn't let his like daughter, wife or whatever drink. Uh, and uh, then he goes, he starts talking about the Red Wedding in a lot of detail. Like, oh, you're such heroes. Like, uh, you know, um, like uh, being rude and, you know, you gave salt and bread. So you took somebody under your roof, but then you weren't nice to them. You know, you didn't change their sheets every night. You didn't keep sand out of their bed for the Starks. You didn't keep, they had sandy beds. That was great. I loved that. And then you didn't have hot coffee, you only had cold coffee. You you, you are the best at wedding. Holy moly. Remember when that guy, who, what was that guy's name anyway? He was like the Blackfish's kid. Remember that? Uh, we really treated them great. And uh, one guy in the back like starts rubbing his uh, throat. Uh, and then everybody else starts doing that. And they say, wait a second, this isn't wine. 
This is, uh, like, this is water, and uh, now we all have to go pee. And, like, like I said, Jesus must be, like, extra water, cause, or Gatorade or something, or, I guess, caffeinated water, like, total diuretic. Uh, so they all have to get up and go to the bathroom. Then there's this huge line for the bathroom. And then we realize, I mean, at that point, you realize uh, Arya is in the house. Arya Stark. Uh, and there's a thin smile on Walter Frey's face as all the Freys, you know, get ready to go to the bathroom. And then they're waiting in line. And that's the worst. Uh, and they don't have the, the bathroom capacity for all of the Freys. And Arya just pulls off her mask. And she laughs as accidents start to happen, and uh, Walter Frey's daughter-wife looks on. And Arya calmly says, when people ask you what happened here, tell them the North remembers. And that tell them winter f- came for House Frey. Watching this live on closed captioning here for you. And the, the, the daughter-wife is breathing. And we see the candles, and Arya walks through all the phrase waiting to go to the bathroom, having, you know, they can't all wait. They can't, some of them can't wait. And she kind of just, like, she does a slow, small, and then we get that signature Arya smile or grin. I guess it was more of an Arya grin. And you say to yourself, holy cow, Game of Thrones is back, buddy. Holy moly. And then the episode opens, and there's a couple differences. One, King's Landing, I think the Sept of Baylor's gone, but I couldn't tell if there was, like, a, like framing for something new. Then we see Dragonstone uh, coming up, and that's the title of the episode. Uh, then we see the twins, where we just were, Walder Frey's twins, a uh, necessary fortified bridge. Just like fortified cereal, fortified wine, fortified bridge. Then Winterfell, we catch a glimpse of the liver. Then we go, we see the tree, the old gods, and we see the like the astrolab. And we head up north to the wall, and we see the wall. So we say, okay, I guess this is, I've never done this. They say, okay, this is where we're going this episode. I never do that. I just realized maybe next episode I'll remember it. Oh, say, oh, we're going to go to the wall tonight. Uh, then we shoot all the way over to uh, the other coast to Old Town. Uh, Smazani Seer, no, uh, Starry Maestro, I think, in Prague. And uh, really cool. It has its own astrolab and, uh, in, the, in the great library. And then we see the, uh, the lighthouse. Uh, and then we see a cold blue and black plain in the north somewhere. In the win- cold winter sky, gray winter sky, there's sun just barely poking through that winter sun sky. And then we see that kind of snow sm- smoke fog wind or whatever uh, rolling in that we saw at Hardhome, slowly working its way towards the camera. And then we see a horseman on the horizon coming towards us uh, through the smoke fog wind, smoke fog. And then we see more horsemen. I don't know if we saw seven horsemen. I think there's only four horsemen in that famous poem or whatever, but uh, there was either five or six or seven, so not not four. But again, it was foggy, and I'm watching it now. And this is really a great, a great scene. Like this was in the room I was in. This was getting oohs and ahs because uh, then we see a giant uh, hanging uh, with the northern crew, and then we see another giant. 
Then we see a third giant, and then we have a close-ups of one of the giants. And then, not to be outdone, we see the milky whites of uh, a looker or whatever uh, in the eye of the giant as we get a close-up. And the giant's got a cool look going. Um, Really amazing. Like, uh, I was stunned at... uh, because the camera kind of booms up, and uh, so we see the three giants, two are further off. Uh, and we know Bran's watching, because then as soon as we see the eye of the giant, we see Bran's eyes. And he's like, uh, he was, he's gotten it down, because he quickly comes back from checking the giants. And I guess this would be a tactical advantage, uh, having Bran at some point, this may become a tactical advantage that he can check out the giants and stuff. Uh Maybe one day control them. I don't know. But then we see Bran and uh, uh, Mira Reed uh, are at the wall. Our buddy Ed, Dolores Ed or whatever, Dolores Ned. And I guess he's got to be an Ed. The listeners always come at, like, uh, they say, Scoots, it's Ed. But uh, he's our buddy. He's the leader of the Night's Watch now, I believe. And he comes out, oh wait, all quiet with music. A couple more, holy cow, giants times three, then Bran, Bran at the wall with Mira, Ed and the watch. Uh, They come through the gates, they're like, hey, are you wildlings? And Bran's just laying back there, he blows Ned's mind, he goes, uh, like first Mira goes, no, this is uh, Bran Stark and I'm uh, Mira, you know, know, whatever that Mira dudes uh, but then Brand gives like uh, Ed his like bio. He says you were here, then you were at Hard Home with my brother, then you were up in the Fists of First Men at different points. And here's a shot I just noticed. He says, "Okay, bring him in," but he stands out and looks north. Uh, and there's like two or three different shots, like a long shot, and then a, like a close up of him with a torch looking north uh, past a wall with stress. And then we drop in at Winterfell, and in Winterfell we have, uh, we've got like a meeting going on, big meeting, I think, uh, and let me look through my notes here, uh, maybe, let me, let me pause the episode while I go through my notes, uh, yeah, we have a North meeting, John's at the head table, like, I'll do the dialogue second, how about that, uh, he's got, uh, Sansa on his right side and Onion on his left, uh, no, Sansa on his, his left, uh, my right. Uh, Sansa's on his left. Onion, they're, they're kind of looking and sharing looks. Uh, and we have the uh, the young woman from Bear Island. We have Brienne. We got Tormund. Onion Knight really likes listening in, and he really likes uh, both Sansa and John's opinions. Uh, this also brought up what we'll, we'll we'll dig into the facts like where was Hardhome? Some I'll talk about it in the facts, but I was like, is Hardhome on our side of the wall or the other side of the wall? So uh, that was one thing uh, that, that seemed important to me to look up. So then we kind of have Sansa. Let's see. Uh, we'll talk about Tormund, and, and, but Sansa and John kind of have a disagreement on how to deal with uh, the people that were on Ramsay's side. And as they debate things, I guess we don't need the dialogue. As they debate stuff, there's like nice sh- reaction shots of like a Sansa kind of stands up to John of Onion and Brienne. Brienne's almost eyes are closed listening. Littlefinger's listening to her kind of, uh, you know, she's just trying to help. And uh, I guess uh, she's uh, she's t- tougher than John, I guess, uh, as we'll see, because there's a second, like a second discussion about it. But uh 
Littlefinger likes any discord because then he knows he can sow that. Uh, and then, yeah, let's look up this dialogue because I have a little dialogue note. But uh, at some point they say, who's going to watch the wall? And then he says, what about, you know, the wildlings? We can't just ask you free folk. Uh, and Tormund says, uh, he stands up and he says, yeah, we'll watch the wall. And then there's a whole idea of... Uh, we need everybody, men and women, boys and girls, uh, fighting against, you know, fighting for our freedom. And, you know, like to say, okay, let's, let's take this patriarchy. Let's not end up like that earth. Uh, let's kick this patriarchy to the curb right now. And it's not an easy discussion for, for people to have, especially once you break over like uh, 25 or 30. Like it can be, uh, you can get some gruff people. But with John and uh, the young woman from Bear Island, whose name at some point I'll remember, you know, they really like. Uh, she's a very she, she. She's like, no, no, no. We're we're all in this together, and you don't have the right to tell me you can't, uh, you know, defend my people. So yeah, then they talk about she's like, uh, okay, Last Hearth and Carhold are the next two uh, uh, castles. Uh, so that's when the debate happens. Like, what are we going to do with the people that were with Ramsey? Sansa says, give, their, give them to the people that were on your side. And John says, no, 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 that's not my style. I'm Mr. Forgiveness. Uh, like, didn't you see how well that went for me at uh, Castle Black? He never said that. I thought he was going to say it, but he doesn't. And everybody's taking this in. And this just, just does seem like an evolving situation as the episode goes on between who's going to lead and who's going to have their say. And, it, you know, in the past, uh, well, whatever, we'll get to it. Uh, and we also get a little shot of Podrick in the house as Sansa and John say, you know, John says, no, 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 let's forgive them. And then they kind of ca- cap it off with he calls the two heads of the household together. And so you little, little boy and then a tween young woman or girl, whatever you say. Uh, Ned and Alice, I guess, and uh, he has them swear allegiance to him. We get another shot of uh, Littlefinger. John saying, when I was commander of the Night's Watch, uh, you know, I had to make tough decisions uh, when people wouldn't follow orders. Uh, no, no, I, I guess I, I like uh, John's a little too stoic here, uh, but he gets called out, so I, I don't need to fixate on it too much. Uh, but they come and they swear their loyalty to John, the two two kids. Uh, and then we get a shot of Winterfell. That was a big hit with the crowd because there's all these camps outside of Winterfell, like all the soldiers are encamped there. And then we have a discussion with Sans and John on the second level. And my favorite part was like halfway through the discussion, Sansa grabs John's arm because uh, he's sulking because she's she's still standing up to him. She's like, "Listen, man, like you got to get over." your oversensitivity because uh this isn't about i guess i can maybe paraphrase it it's i'm ahead of the episode right now but she says you got to get over your oversensitivity here and and like a lot of these other guys these uh like uh she's like maybe at least just take some advice because you know dad and uh what was the other dude's name richard and now i forget his name i think that was the actor's name the other Stark, whose name I forgot, uh, he, uh, he like they, they were they were like too stoic, like they didn't get uh, like the Game of Thrones. Like, have you heard Cersei say Game of Thrones? 
Uh, and then at some point, a maester rolls up. The new it must be the new maester. I'm not sure exactly how trustworthy he looks because he doesn't look super trustworthy. So the maester he gives a, a scroll, and it says, uh, "Oh wow, I'm looking at that shot again." There's even the uh, the old woods or whatever with the, the tree with the red branches and stuff. Really cool. But Sansa and John are walking the ramparts, and she's saying, "Geez, don't we like a." Uh, uh, Joffrey wouldn't let it like she's like you got to find some balance between Joffrey and dad and uh, th- my other brother uh, but she does say Joffrey wouldn't listen but she's not like all harsh she's like you're good at ruling uh, I mean she basically she's almost begging without begging being like just let me help you because I have a, a, a viewpoint that's valuable and I have a lot of experience despite being whatever, like your little sister who's probably like only 19 or 18. Like I've lived a full life now and I've been exposed to a lot of stuff, including Cersei and Joffrey. So I've seen their leadership style too. And she says, you know, you can't protect everybody and the world's not super pretty. Like uh, there's other things. Because oh, he says, oh, quit undermining me. That's when she grabs his arm and turns him around. And really gives it to him in a loving way. She goes, oh, Rob is the other dude's name. Like, uh, she says, I'm not undermining you. I'm helping you. She goes, you need to be smarter than everybody. It's a Game of Thrones, dude. Like, you know, don't you remember season? Oh, you weren't there. Weren't you there when season one, when Cersei said it? And that's when we get the word that Cersei says, hey, come down and, you know, bow down and show your fealty to me. I'm Queen Cersei in his house. And she says, geez, we got to, we can deal with the north or south. And they're kind of debating, well, Cersei will never come north. And, and uh, Sansa says, you don't know Cersei then. Because uh, she's, she, she's, uh, she's, she plays the game of thrones to the extreme. She's not going to let anybody slide. And John's like, well, I don't think we can. He goes, we got bigger problems. We got these uh, giants in the north here. And then we see this cool uh, rising boom shot. Because they're walking and talking all the time. So we see this cool shot of the north uh, uh, and, and them on the ramparts and the distance in the cold plains. like Kind of like, oh, no one ranges north uh, for battle. It doesn't work out. And Sansa says, well, I don't know. Don't make assumptions. Like You'll make, you'll make worse than an ass out of you and me. It'll be it. You'll be like Rob and Dad. Uh, and she's just kind of making her case, and I think John's considering it at least. Uh, like, uh, but, but I guess it's a tough position to be in when we can see the pieces coming together. But if we know anything about Game of Thrones, that's what I keep telling myself. It's like, well, uh, we don't know what's going to happen because it's like after this episode, it seems like everything's laid out in a sensible way. We just don't know how the parts are going to come together, but I can guarantee by the end of the season, it's going to come together in a much different way. That's why the show is so rewarding to watch as a viewer and the masterful way they do that. Like, okay, like by the end of this episode, it's pretty common sense. Like, we don't exactly know what Cersei's next move is going to be, uh, but the most sensible thing for John and the Khaleesi, it would be, you know, in, in uh, like everybody else would be like, okay, well, that would make total sense. And, uh, but who knows what's going to happen? That's what I love. And then let's see. So we get a nice views of the North South snows and uh, I've learned a great deal. She says from Cersei, cause he says, you know, it sounds like you almost admire her. And then we get a few bars of the reins of Castamere. Cersei's uh, shoes or heels go across a giant map, and there's a man painting with a paintbrush. 
and we're in this nice courtyard with a like a courtyard sized map of Westeros. Beautiful, beautiful map. Holy cartography. I just cartographed myself. Uh, very nice vines on the roof. Uh, autumn, autumn vines. So maybe even winter's coming this, uh, to, to, to uh, King's Landing. And Jamie rolls up, uh, and he t- gives the painter a look like, hey, get lost, sucker. And he does. Everyone's wearing black leather. But this season in Game of Thrones, black leather's in. Uh, get a hold of your, uh, get a hold of Wilson Leather if they're still at the malls. And get over there. But ja- Cersei stands in the center of the map and Jamie stands at the side. And there's a lot of, like, she's like, this is it, buddy. This is our chance. Uh, and she goes, why have you been so quiet? Are you mad? He goes, no, I'm not angry. Uh, she goes, are you frightened of me or afraid? And he turns his head and he looks off to the side. Uh, he says, should I be? And she just goes off about Tyrion and, uh, you know, uh, saying, you know, everybody's like against them. And Jamie looks a little bit uh, ragged. I mean, for him, I mean, geez, he's like, a, like his hair's just, uh, I guess it's a barely must, uh, but... Uh, you know, I don't know if that was intentional, like a little bit less perfect than normal. And Cersei starts to work the the map because uh, she says, we got all these enemies. But she goes, where's where's the Dragon Queen going to land? And Jamie says, Dragonstone, where else? Uh, deep water ports. It's uh, like it's unoccupied and that's where she was born. Oh, uh, this is when Cersei says, enemies to the south, enemies to the east, enemies to the north and enemies to the west. Uh, Olana. I mean, Highgarden, Olan has got to be super peed, PO'd. So it'll be interesting to see what Cersei's move is, because uh, she knows she's got something up her sleeve. So she walks the map. She goes, well, what, if you're in charge, what are you going to do? He goes, well, winter's here. We're not going north. Uh, also, I noticed in the background there's a ladder that maybe the painter was using, and it looks like one of the ladders you would buy on an infomercial. It's wooden instead of being metal, but it's like a... Like a folding ladder, uh, but Jamie's saying she's we look like the uh, we're on the losing side. She goes, "I'm the queen of the seven kingdoms." He goes, "Oh, three kingdoms actually." He goes, "We're in trouble, uh, sis, uh, sweetie, sis." And she goes, "This could be our dyn- dynasty, a thousand years." And he goes, "A dynasty for who? A thousand years?" He goes, "We don't have any progeny. We're the last of us." And then she says, "A dynasty for us then." Jamie almost hiccups. Holy cow. So uh, let me stop it. Uh, that's a 2345-ish. Uh, really worth a, a rewatch of this reaction. When she says a dynasty for us, he almost hiccups in shock. Because uh, it's so out of tone with the reality. And then he does come back. Uh, a dynasty for us then. Wow, great acting. Wow, really great acting. And he goes, what about Tom? And, you know, what about all this? She turns away, walks towards his wine. He comes after her. And she uses the, the uh, like, whatever, I don't know what the therapists call this, but, you know, blaming, you know, she says, well, you know, he's against me. Everybody, you know, people shouldn't have messed with me. Uh, she goes, we're alive. We're the Lannisters. We're the ones that count, Jamie. And she's losing him. I mean, he really is torn. I don't know where's, I can't wait to see Bronn. Uh, but he goes, we need allies. Uh, where are our allies now? Yeah, Jamie Shock. Let me see my notes. 
They t- check in with Walter Frey. Nice fall vines on the roof tiles, as I said. Uh, and then he says, uh, they say, what about uh, these things? She goes, do you think I listened to Father for 40 years and learned nothing? And then the drum starts, and then we hear seagulls. And then we see the Reaver ships uh, with the squid, uh, Cobra Command. They almost have a Cobra Commander thing on the squids. Uh, very, very Cobra Commander-like, these uh Warships are going into port. They're churning through the water. I mean, somebody get Captain Nemo on the phone because, holy moly, very cool. I mean, oh, my gosh, some of these shots because uh, they're going into the port, port of King's Landing. So we see the uh, the Red Keep, and it's like, uh, and Jamie says, the Greyjoys, and they're overlooking the bay with our buddy, the Blue-Faced Man. And Cersei says, we need stronger allies. How do you get better than this? Uh, and Jamie goes, they're buffoons. Uh, they are, they break promises. They do what they wish. Uh, and Cersei says, everyone does what they wish when it suits them. And they have ships. And they're good at that. And Jamie goes, no, no. They're bitter, angry little people. And they're just the little thieves. Uh and he goes, what are they doing here? And she goes, uh, well, you're on Greyjoy's here for a queen. And Jamie has another shock to look. Uh, and Cersei walks off, or Cersei walks off. And uh, then we are in the throne room. And you're on Greyjoy's there. And this guy's a rapscallion. And someone in the room, my brother Ken said, this guy's dressed just like a rock star, which he is. He even has like a rock star uh posture going like with one shoulder down and just like he's totally at ease like it's like he's in a hot tub when he's just in his natural state but he really is dressed like a rock star he looks i mean the dude looks like smoother than smooth and also oh wait let me pause it here because there was no there's no more gold cloaks there's just lannister soldiers now uh they must have been disbanded or something Cersei's on the throne. Uh, No more gold cloaks. Uh, Dude looks like a rock star. Total rapscallion putting on a show. Even tries to step up to Cersei. He's like, hey, what up? Like, uh, I'm the total man with the ships in his house. And he's like, I'm a king, you're a queen. And he goes to step up, or rightful monarchs, he says. Uh, And then the blue-faced man steps towards him. So does Jaime. And uh, he, like, Cersei just looks out of the corner of my eye, and Jamie goes, you're not a monarch, uh, are you? And he gives Jamie this, like, oh, God, the look he gives them. This guy's a trickster. And Jamie goes, you're, like, a kind of dirtbag, aren't you? Uh, sneaky and, and uh, back, back, backhanded? The guy's just giggling almost as Jamie talks. Uh, and he goes, yeah, I remember, yeah, you guys totally rocked us back when it was the Lannisters versus the Greyjoys. Uh, you were total, totally like a ballet artist of swords and stuff. Uh, he goes, I totally took off. It was great for me. You totally, all the relatives I didn't like, you uh, dealt with greatly. He goes, I didn't believe you were that cool, but uh, you, he goes, I didn't believe, he goes, I thought I had good hair, but you have great hair. Uh, he goes, the rest of us... Uh, he goes, I'm pretty smooth, though, dude. He goes, you're a bit stuffy. And he goes, I have, like, you know, he goes, I got that uh, Russell um, Brand thing going. He goes, you're more like uh, that dude that plays Captain America. 
And he goes, dude, I'm smoother than smooth. Uh, seriously, check it. Check it and see. I got a fever of like uh, 101.3. 14 C's, I got them all. And Cersei goes, well, you're definitely not the most humble dude. He goes, you're not humble. And she turns her, she tilts her head the opposite way when he says that. He goes, you don't care about it. He goes, who cares about the Iron Islands? I'm just here to help you and get what I want, and you can get what you want. Uh, she goes, well, I want your fleet. Uh, he goes, uh, we got the greatest armada you've ever seen, baby. Uh, you can run the seas. And there she starts breathing through her nose. She almost barely smiles. Uh, he goes, you can rock them all with our fleets. And she goes, what do you want in return? He goes, I want to marry the most beautiful woman in the world. Uh, that's what I want. And she goes, declined. Uh, he goes, of course. She, he goes, why? She goes, because you're not loyal. Uh, and so he goes, with two good hands. And he reaches his, he goes, uh, he goes, uh, he, he has like this overbite look. Uh, and he spreads his arms, looks at Jamie, grins, laughs. Uh, that's when she's like, declined, not trustworthy. Then he, like, does a Picard where he kind of adjusts his jacket, and he goes, I'll prove it to you. He goes, I don't expect you to trust me. I'll get out there. And when he says that, Cersei moves her hand. Let me see, like, a rightful monarch, uh, two good hands, declined. Oh, on proof, he says, on proof, her hand moves with interest. And then he walks off, and then she's rubbing her hands. Uh and the door's open, and he's out of the throne room. Then we see the light coming in the library, going through this mirror and magnification system to light the whole library in Old Town, uh, the great library. And then we get a montage, a really funny uh, extended montage of Sam working, and his job is like putting books away, uh, feeding the, the you know the the main the the actual like. Uh, I don't know what do you call that tenured tenured maesters uh, working uh, bedpan circuit. He definitely works the bedpan circuit with the other uh, maesters to be, and feeding them soup and dealing with it. So it's an extended funny one that just kind of shows the drudgery of being a maester in training, and uh, it's it's just a fun sequence. And we see a lot of maesters and. Uh, we kind of see that they have an extended, they get the library. They also have two different facilities for people that aren't feeling good. They all eat together. But we also see the restricted library, which is behind bars. And Sam says, uh, we could tell he wants to, uh, like, uh, go, go, you know, check that out. Uh, and it's also, it's almost calling to Sam. And at some point he sees a dude go in and unlock the gates and go in there and lock himself in to study. Then he's off with the Archmaester, who I guess is a, like that was a Harry Potter cookie. Uh, but he's weighing stuff for the Archmaester with brass. They use a metric system. So, by the way, USA, hello. Even in Westeros, they use the metric system. And uh, let's see, meters for sure. Well, actually, I think they're measuring in grams or. Um, but uh, uh, let's see, Sam uh, helps out. He lays out his case. He says, dude, like. Uh, I've seen all this stuff. Uh, don't you think I should check out these books in the, the restricted library? Because, uh, you know, I saw those, you know, I've, I've been in the North. I've seen all the North things. Uh, don't you believe me? And shouldn't I read up on those? And the guy, the Archmaster, is cleaning his hands and his gloves and listening. 
He's kind of summary. He's like, uh, like, see, he's like, do you believe me? And they go back and forth, and he's kind of like a deducer or whatever. He's like, well, there's no reason for you to lie, and I do believe all this is true because of the different accounts or have similarities. Uh, they couldn't be accounted for. So yeah, I believe you're telling the truth. I believe that there's trouble at the wall above the wall, but he goes, the walls stood for thousands of years, and it'll be fine. And that's one way to look at it. That's some cognitive dissonance by an intellectual. Uh, and uh, I guess it would be like, well, hey, uh, like, uh, I think like that's what we see uh, in our world right now. It's like, well, this is my position and it's sensible and the wall, it's going to be fine. The, the wall's there. Uh, nothing to fear here. Like, uh, who cares about it? the ocean's big? There's an iceberg in the ocean. It's not going to do anything. I guess that would be the contrast. So then Sam's like, okay, forget it. The uh, system's not going to work for me. So he goes back and he steals the keys to the uh, restricted library. And then he goes in at night and gets some books. This got cheering from the audience and from me. Love, we love it. When, and also Sam looked great. He, uh, they must be given regular haircuts there because his hair's combed and cut. His beard's trimmed. So he looks great. Then we see Padraig and Brienne. They're uh, doing some training. And Brienne's really having some fun with Padraig, and Tormund's watching, and he's having fun. Uh, and he 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 comes over uh, to 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 chat with her, and she gets distracted, and then Padraig, uh, it's just a great scene. Uh, he's hilarious. They're both of them, and uh, so Padraig gets a drop on Brienne because she's distracted by Tormund, and then. Uh, Brienne gets irritated with Patrick and throws him in a snowbank, and Tormund goes, you're a lucky man. So, I mean, this is another brilliant thing, is like, uh, they know when to time this humor. Holy macaroni. And then we get back to Baelish and Sansa, and this is is Baelish's high school boyfriend, you know, overbearing high school boyfriend personality. Because he's saying, she's, I thought you wanted to be, I, I just thought you wanted to be happy, Sansa. I guess uh, you just want those other things. But, uh, you know, because that's why I'm here annoying you. It's just because uh, no one else really cares for you to be happy. They care about what you do. You know, he's trying to play it out and uh, really working her hard. And she totally shuts him down. At first, he's like, what's with Rianne? Uh, yada, yada, yada. And uh, I, mean, I guess I'd have to let, let me jump ahead to see what she says to him because what she says, I got Brian here. Let's see. So she says, I got Brian here. I'm surrounded by family. I really don't, you know, need it. And he goes, well, don't you need to be happy? Uh, what can I do for you, basically? Why aren't you happy? Uh, what do you want that you do not have? She goes, peace and quiet. Uh, and then Brian rolls up and Baelish can't think anything. And Sansa crushes it. She says, uh, no need to seize the last word, Lord Baelish. I, I'll assume it was something clever. And he almost says something, and he sucks on his lips. Uh, and then he says, Milady to Brienne and Milady to Sansa, and Sansa's got a look. Brienne gives him a look out of the corner of her eye. She goes, why is he still here? He's the worst. Uh, and Sansa goes, well, he's got that army and with horses and stuff, and he helped out, and... Uh, I think I have, again, just as like the danger, just like Circe. Well, I think I have him under my thumb. Uh, I think I know his angle, but we don't. And he, there's a shot of him walking away. Star Wars-esque shot, I would say, of him ba- his back with cape. 
Then we hear a bird and we see this uh, focus pole, like the focus is on a tree branch and some leaves or something. And then it pulls focus and we see uh, Aria and there's singing going on and uh, we get our first celebrity sighting, which got like a lot of giggles in the room. But, you know, he actually looks good, Ed Sheeran or whatever, Ed Sheeran. And they're singing a song about hands of gold, always cold. Uh, a woman's hands are warm. Uh, so they're singing, and uh, they see Arya. They're like, hey, what up? Uh, why don't you come down and chill with us? We're here to host. These are Lannister soldiers, by the way. And this one, like Sansa goes, or Arya goes, I never heard this song. And he, Ed Sheeran goes, well, it's a new one, uh, which I, I don't know. Uh, but whatever, this, it's a quibble. So they say, hey, how about, and there's this one, there's a couple nice, this is really a, like a revealing scene about uh, battle and war. So Arya rolls up, she scouts out the situation, they say, hey, eat some um, eat, eat some uh, game with us. Uh, and there's one guy who already has a crush on her instantly, this little guy, like the youngest soldier. And they say, man, it's cold. It's going to be cold tonight. Where are you going? She goes, King's Landing. They go, oh, King's Landing's the worst. They, uh, Queen's messed it up. Uh, Except the Baylor's gone. There's uh, tr- It's trouble. We're glad to be gone, but we miss our families. Uh, we just wanted to see everything, but uh, we, that's why we moved there. We heard about the legends. She's checking out the situation to get a drop on them. You know, they say, like, the dragon pits are the pits now, man. And uh, so she starts to get to know them. They, they give her some wine. They give her some uh, some game to eat. Uh, and then they start talking about their personal stories about one guy. He's, he's, had, he's had a son or a daughter while he's been away. And they're like, we're peacekeepers. We're just here to peacekeep and deal with whatever was going on with Walter Frey. And you can see, it, like, uh, Arya's mind working. Uh, as she's assessing the situation, they go, geez, we're, we were taught to be kind to strangers, uh, but we're stuck out here fighting someone else's wars. Which I think is a callback to, like, I uh, can't remember. I think it, it's been said before in this series. Uh, and it definitely, there's a, the guy that talks the most about his dad on his boat. Definitely some sort of connection with Arya. I can't quite figure it out. Maybe maybe it'll be that she's jacking or something. But uh, they say, well, what are you doing? She goes, well, I'm taking out the queen. And there's a long pause, uh, but then everybody laughs. They say, oh, yeah, you're taking out the queen. Hilarious. Uh, then we see, then we, this is like uh, when I get really happy, because the next scene is like, uh, it's daytime, but there's a thick snow, like a blizzard almost. We see bushes covered in snow. We see men on horseback. We see it's the Hound and the Brotherhood, Brotherhood without banners. And these are two of my favorite characters that we haven't spent a lot of time with, so I'm really excited. And they roll up on an old, familiar stone house, uh, and it's cold. So they're like, we got to go inside. So the Hound's like, we don't need to go in there. And they go, well, there's no smoke. No one's there. Uh, We've got to get inside and see if they got any food and get warm. And so they go inside, they start up, they're starting up a fire and Barrick and Sandor, they sit down to check. Cause at first he's like, I don't want to be in here. Uh, I, I don't want nothing. Uh, I don't want anything to do with this. 
And, you know, they're giving him a hard time and stuff. But then he sits down with, uh, let's see what other notes I have before we get to the dialogue. Uh, you know, we hear about kind of Sandor's like, uh, miss, like he doesn't quite grasp their religious convictions because they're fighting for the Lord of Lights. Uh, and I forget the other guy's name. I know Beric Dondarrion. I forget the other guy, but he gets it. Sandor goes, what, you got a top knot, bro. Like, uh. So where do you live? Uh, like, so he gives a little hipster barb to him, which is funny. And just any time, spending any time with the mountain is uh, uh, great. Uh, wait, is he the mountain? No, he's the hound. Any time with the hound. Uh, but also Beric Dondarrion and then the dude whose name I don't know uh, from the Brotherhood Without Banners, the priest, uh, Thor- Thoros of Mir. There you go. I remembered it's. Thoros Samir, uh, he, I love him because he reminds me, you know, if Jeff Daniels and Jeff Bridges had a, a son who became an actor, that's who that would be. Like, it's a, he's got the best features of both of them. And it may be Jeff Daniels, but I don't think it is uh, because I think I would have already known that. Uh, oh, he's, he, I think he even says uh, that the top Nazi cover is baldness, maybe. I don't know. They say, hey, come on inside. Let's get comfortable. And then Barrick says, let's talk, because you seem irritated. You know, first he says, oh, like, they know, they kind of get a hint that uh, the hound's been at that house before, and he didn't leave it in the best condition. Like, he slept there, didn't make the bed or nothing, and left things so messy that uh, the family had to move away. But so then Barrick sits down, he says, she's really irritable about this religious stuff, and you're definitely irritable with me. What's up? And, uh... The hound says, well, why do you keep coming back? I don't get why this dude brings you back uh, from the other side. Who would want you back? No offense, you're not bad. He does say that. He goes, you're not terrible, uh, but you're not so hot either. And you got that eye patch. And, you know, how can you, like, who do you think you are? And who do you think your God is that you keep coming back? And the dude says, well, I have no idea. I don't know. Believe me, I think about it every day. What am I doing here? Like existential creeps right in. And he goes, "Why? you know, why Why am I here? Why are we all here? I don't know. Uh, and then Thoros Amir says, hey, let's take a look at this fire. And of course, then there's other jokes. Like, of course, I get stuck with a bunch of fire worshippers. Uh, uh, divine justice is what uh, Beric Dondarrion says. And then he goes, no, no, divine justice would be that... Uh, I didn't leave this house a mess, so the family had to move away. And he goes, okay, fair enough. Uh, but uh, they say, look into the fire. And this is another great, great scene for acting uh, uh, by Rory, uh, like as uh, Weiss and Benioff say in the uh, behind the scenes at the end. But he says, you want to know more about the Lord of Light? Come and look in the fire. And he goes, don't worry, come on over. And he, he makes his way over there slowly, puts his hand up on the hearth. Uh, and he looks into the fire, and they say, just look at the fire, really look at the fire, and tell me what you see. And I liked how they chose not to show us what he's seeing. They show everything through his face uh, and his reaction to what he's seeing. And at first he just sees fire, and then his mouth opens, and he moves back a little bit, and he goes, I see ice. And Barrick looks over, and he's kind of amazed or shocked. I, I mean, so I don't know if he didn't think it was going to work, or he's shocked at what he's seeing, or that he's seeing the same vision they are. Uh, and he's like, Jesus, people, he goes, it's the Army of the North uh, marching past uh, Mountain, Hardhome, uh, Port City. 
and Barrett gets up and then Sandor takes another step back. Uh, and, uh, you know, he says, Oh geez. And he goes, see, don't you see what we're in for? This is, uh, that's what we're on a mission to stop. Uh, so again, I like how the pieces are being laid out, but I know Game of Thrones is still going to surprise us. Uh, then we see, uh, like, uh, Top Knot sleeping, uh, whoever, Thoros Amir is sleeping. We call him Top Knot, and he hears something. He rolls out of bed, goes outside. Sandor's, uh, uh, or the, the hound is, like, doing laundry. He said, I'm finally going to wash these sheets that I sullied, uh, that made this family move away. And the guy says, well, let me help you. Uh, this seems, like, very important to you. And he goes, yeah, it's like a, a living amends. And they say, okay, let's do it together. And then Sandor says, well, I got this prayer that my mom used to say above the laundry. Uh, he says, you know, forgive me for not doing my laundry and letting it sit too long till it got moldy. And then he goes, I don't remember the rest. Uh, but we see that he's evolving. Like he said, wow, he started uh, and he's making amends. Like, uh, so it's a big deal, you know, big deal for our big boy. And we're all proud of him. I mean, I, I know I am. I say, buddy, I, I love you. Now I love you more. Oh, okay. There was a couple of uh, shots at the end, uh, like of the mist in the mountains as they're doing the laundry that I forgot to mention. Um, and as they're working. And uh, then as, after he says the laundry prayer, he actually, uh, is, uh, uh, the hound wipes his hair out of his eyes, and he goes, so just sorry I didn't do your laundry. So he also, he also makes, he also apologizes. So I, don't even, I forgot how uh, powerful that was. Then we see Desmond Better. What does that mean? Desmond Better. Uh, Desmond Better. I don't know what that says. Uh, honestly, I don't. Uh, D-E-S-M-I-D Better. Oh, you deserved better. You deserve somebody that did your laundry when he apologizes. Then there's a shot of Old Town's Lighthouse. Holy cow. You know, if you listen to these episodes, how much I love the uh, ancient wonders of the world. And I really appreciate these kind of recreations. And this is like the great uh, lighthouse, I think. Uh, I can't even remember. Pharos, maybe. Uh I mean, this town has two of the ancient, uh, as the great library too, but, uh, the lighthouse has a giant fire on the roof, which we haven't seen since, uh, what was that? One of the, uh, Lord of the Rings movies, I think. Something cool like that. Uh, so that's cool. Then we see a shot of all of old town. We hear city sounds like dogs barking and then we see Sam's kind of pulling an all-nighter studying, uh, really studying hard. Gilly and little Sam are playing, and Sam's tired. And she's like, Sam, you should catch some rest. And he's like, no, 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 they don't catch any rest. I got to keep working. Uh, and Gilly grabs a book and kind of sits down next to Sam. She reads a little bit. We see her reading is greatly improved. And... uh Sam's looking through his book, trying to figure out the dragon glass situation, which Jon Snow had been talking about. So I didn't mention that uh, at the big meeting. That's the one thing he said. We got to find a dragon glass and a way to mine it. And then Sam's looking through his book. He finds a dragon glass mine. And of course, where is it? It's in Dragonstone. He says, Oh, yeah, I forgot. Stannis had mentioned that. Uh, 
And we say, okay, these are these pieces coming together or not, are they not? Uh, this is going to be interesting. Because uh, he says, that's all the dragon glass uh, John would need. I got to get a message to John. And he jumps up like he's going to send a scroll via Raven. And I think he does do a, do a note. But then the next day he's doing the rounds uh, at the quarantine place uh, at uh, in Old Town. And he's feeding all the quarantine people. And we hear the voice of Sir Jorah as his hand comes through a window, but he's in quarantine and Sam's got gloves on. And he says, has she come yet? Uh, Sam's like, what? And he goes, the dragon queen, Daenerys Stormborn. And Sam's like, "Eh, uh, maybe, maybe we should change your medication. Let me write this down. And Jorah's not in great shape. He's definitely, uh, he's got that stone thing going. And then the drums start. and we see a close-up of the Khaleesi, and she's breathing through her nose, deep through her nose. And there's nothing better than watching the Khaleesi breathe through her nose, because uh, uh, it really adds the gravity to the moment, and it's powerful. And then we see her crew, and everybody's in black leather or near black leather, and we see the dragons, her dragons, are at Dragonstone, flying around it. They're like, they look like they're fully grown now, very worm-like, uh, W-Y-R-M. And Khaleesi's still breathing, her mouth's open. Very, everyone's take, got the gravity of the situation down. Varys, uh, Tyrion, Miss Sunday, Miss Sunday to me, and Grey Worm. And then they pull up to the shore, and we see, like, the cool stone of the shore. I don't know if it's slate or what. And the Khaleesi walks up the beach. She's resplendent in her dress. I guess it's not black leather. And they let her walk ahead. We watch her walk across the beach, a stride, a purposeful stride. And she's really taken in. She goes to her knees and she puts her palm in the sand and kind of lets it sit there and feels the sand, presses her palm in, pulls it out, feels the sand in her fingers, and she looks up at Dragonstone, takes it in, and then she heads forward. uh, And she's really striding. Her hands are at her side. And, uh, I don't know, she has a definitely a purposeful look to it. And then they slowly work their way up to the doors, uh, the first set of doors. The Game of Thrones music's playing as uh, she heads up the stairs. And there's these dragon head carvings at the first set of doors. And some of the Unsullied open the doors. And we see the path up to Dragonstone, up the uh, up this little... Uh, up the mountain, I guess, uh, and we see Khaleesi's face, and she takes some more breaths. We see Tyrion's face, uh, the gravity of the situation, a lot of breathing, a lot of silent breathing, and then, like, seeing what they're looking at, uh, and uh, really amazing, uh, like, watching their eyes, uh, soaking it in. And they march up to the fortress. They go through kind of like a rock portal that I don't know if we ever saw this, uh, this rock portal. Uh, and then we see, because Stannis was here, you know, and then we see Stannis' flaming heart banner. His, I guess that was the second banner. And the Khaleesi tears that down. Then we go into the old throne room, which is cool. And we see the, where the Iron Throne was pulled out uh, 
like a blank spot for the Iron Throne. At first, I didn't know what it was, and they said, oh, wait, that's a blank spot for the Iron Throne. And uh, Khaleesi walks up. Masande stops Grey Worm from following her as she goes up towards the throne. She walks alone. The Khaleesi, just like she's she's almost all in black, and just like Johnny Cash walked alone, she walks alone. And Tyrion looks around the room, and then at fifty around fifty nine thirty, we get a close up of her dress. And holy cow! I mean, the embroidery and the detail of her dress has got these red, dark red, deep red in black kind of dra- dragon embroidery. It is just amazing. It just a whole, whole uh, her whole, uh, the costumes in this episode were just mind blowing, but hers is like, uh, just is so detailed like it should be, but also, uh, seem fairly functional. So like, cause it's almost like a cape she's wearing and it, that was just mind blowing. Uh, then she goes into uh, Stannis's like map battle planning room uh, with a giant map table. So we get a call back to Cersei's map uh, or Cersei's map. There's a dragon carving on the wall. Tyrion checks that out, and there's just this cool shot. She runs her fingers across the whole table, across the dust, uh, across like Stannis's planning tools, past them, around the corner of the table. And it's really slow, and we kind of see, like, where, you know, we remember some of the memories of Stannis standing in this room, looking out to the water. And she stands at the end. This was such a like, amazing cap to an episode. She stands at the end of the table as kind of Tyrion's taking things in, and she looks uh, uh, over everybody. And then she just simply says, uh, like, the sea and the sky is behind her. And she says, uh, shall we begin? Like, with power, and but just business, too. Uh, whew, it, like, that gave me goosebumps. It did give me goosebumps. And the episode came to a close. Uh, so, quite a, I can't wait till next week. Uh, I can't wait. And then we're going to, so we'll get to the facts right now. A couple of things came up this episode. So the first thing that came up was the hard, hard home in the wall. Because uh, I guess with that episode, I've been working on the assumption that hard home was uh, south below the wall. Uh, but it, like, uh, and I said, geez, well, the wall's already been breached. Like, isn't hard home like where the wall meets the sea? And I, I don't know why I've been, that was a false assumption that I've been operating on, which has given me like an extra intensity of like, well, we're already in big trouble. The wall doesn't even matter or I don't understand how the wall works. Uh, like, cause they were still talking about defending the wall. So I had to look that up and it ends up hard home is a free folk. This is from the game of Thrones wiki. Uh, it's a free folk fishing village. It's North of the wall. Yeah, on the Shivering Sea near Storold's Point or something. And when we look at a map, it was really relieving to me because it's uh, pretty far north. Like you have the Shivering Sea, which is a giant bay, northern bay. And uh, Hardhome's out on this point, Storold's Point, like they said, way out there. And then there's a giant forest between uh, Hardhome and... uh, like, I don't even know how the walk, walk, walking people got there because they said, well, geez, like, uh, like, uh, really took an indirect route to mess with everybody. But there's a long way down to the Bay of Seals where East Watch by the Sea is. 
So we're in a better shape than we thought. And, uh, and we've reviewed the wall before. So East Watch is the eastmost castle. Then we have Castle Black in the middle and then the Shadow Tower all the way towards the Bay of the Ice, I guess, in what we would say is the west. And when we look up, uh, I think there used to be 17 castles on the wall when it was fully, uh, like fully staffed. Uh, let me see what I got here. And, uh, yeah, over on the Game of Thrones wiki, uh, uh, it looks like, at least in the books, there was 18, 18 total, uh, castles or, or, uh, garrisons and stuff on the walls. I don't know if all of them, let's see. I mean, we've d- talked about the wall before. You know, colossal fortification over 300 miles on the northern border. 700 feet tall, made of solid ice, uh, but constructed using magic. Uh, we're a little short on magic users if we have anything. It uses a variety of defenses. Uh, you know, you can be on the top, and there's, like, warming stations and stuff to, like, let you uh, shoot arrows or barrels with ice and oil and stone catapults, uh, and other things like uh, those giant arrow launchers, I think, uh, uh, pendulum to, uh, like cut, cut and rain ice. Uh, and if anybody's trying to climb the wall, which happened, uh, so yeah, like it looks like, I mean, we got to get people on the wall. We could use some magic and then brands on the way. But I guess my biggest concern with the wall was that, uh, well, what if, uh, they're already past the wall. Like, or like, was that like the water part? Like, uh, I don't know. I guess I was just mixed up. I was really feeling, uh, less optimistic. Surprise, surprise. So that's a little bit of just a quick, uh, thing that was on my mind that I looked up. And another thing that came up was the lighting system they had in, uh, the library at Old Town, the great library and how they use magnifying glasses and mirrors to light the room. And while I didn't have time to totally research that, I found this article, like, I was like, oh, what are the modern equivalents? Because I know if you're on an airplane, or maybe it's like other magazines, they show those, uh, uh, those, like, uh, what are those called? Like, sun, what are those things called? Like, uh, moon roof, a sunroof, uh, I can't remember what they're called. Maybe this article will tell me, but, like, uh, that uses, like, a tube to get sunlight into your house to light it, uh. Sun domes. I don't know what those things are called. Uh, and I think I've been in one or two houses that had those. And I said, well, that works pretty good. Uh, but this article is from Fast Company from 927-12. Uh, it's written by Anita Hamilton. Just a quick one about uh, a mirror system that brings sunlight into the darkest uh, corners of your home. These sunflower heliostats uh, let you focus the sun's light anywhere from solar panels in your garden. And this sounds cool. I haven't heard about it since 2012, but it's just, uh, you know, we've waited for the clean, green solar power revolution. And this was five years ago. So it's talking about the cost of solar panels. But another way to harness the sun's energy is to use regular glass mirrors, which are 95% efficient. Uh, wow. At reflecting heat and light. Did not know that. Uh, and once they were deploy- deployed solely in large-scale solar fields, these heliostats, as they're called, are now uh, compact enough to brighten up. So this, I think it's possible, it was what we're already learning, to brighten up uh, gloomy rooms or shade-filled spots in your garden. Because uh, they were also using magnifying glasses. Uh, 
The Sunflower Home Heliostat uh, from Wakoda gives you the freedom to redirect the sun where you want it. It finds where the sun is and tracks it. Uh, it's an 18-pound device, $399, six triangular glass mirrors like petals on a flower, around uh, four microprocessor transistors that track the movement of the sun. And when the sun hits a mirror, light and heat are reflected and sent where, to whatever spot you've designated up to 25 feet away. And solar power motors adjust the mirrors to reflect the maximum amount of sunlight throughout the day. Surprisingly powerful, up to 500 watts of power in the form of light and heat. Uh, we wanted to create something, uh, according to Wakoda, uh, that leverages the sun's energy. Mirrors are the most efficient way of doing that. Uh, Ed's a former engineer from Sonos, a home audio company, who used the sunflower to light his tomato patch in the summer to get a bumper crop. Uh, uh, the one drawback, it also reflects ultraviolet rays. Uh, so that's interesting, and I guess it kind of does prove uh, that w- was in a short, compact way that at least conceivably what they're doing at the... Uh, uh, with all their astro labs and stuff is possible. So another cool little mini fact. And then the last thing I want to look up was like, what are the best feathers for writing? Cause, uh, there's a lot of quills, uh, Sam's doing writing, uh, and the grand maester's doing writing. And I said, what are the best quills for writing stuff? Uh, but there's a couple other things that came out. There's an instructables article about how to make a feather writing quill and what you, and how to do that. So I'll include that because what you need is a soup can, some sand, a sharp knife, some feathers, and some calligraphy ink. Uh, and it kind of shows you how to prepare the feather to create the quill, the quill how to temper it uh, so it has a nice, uh, sharp, uh, hardened tip. Uh, you can leave it in a drawer for three years, but that takes too long. The other way is to empty a soup can, fill it with sand, and heat it in the oven. Then remove the can and thrust the quill into there and wait, and that'll uh, uh, temper your quill. Then you'll cut the tip after that, uh, and then you'll get to writing. So that's a cool one. Then over at the History of Pencils, they have a History of Quill Pens uh which kind of just talks about how using the point of the feather and the hollow shaft could hold the ink and how the capillary action would be good for writing, which I didn't realize. Uh, you know, before people used to use write on wax or clay with reed pens or papyrus uh, or reed pens on uh, papyrus and animal skins. Uh, uh, but they do say you can't just take a feather and dip it in the ink and use it. You have to prepare it, as we learned about uh but they all use uh, large feathers. Uh, so here's our answer. Only the five or six largest from goose, swan, or turkey. Although feathers of crow, eagle, owl, or hawk can also be used. Uh, so there is our, you, you want a big bird. I guess, I guess would big bird's feathers be too big? Uh, what about a peacock feather? Is that because you see fancy uh like over the top, like bureaucrats or, or uh, kings and queens using super big feathers. Uh, and uh, let's see what else. Uh, over on Wikipedia, it talks about a quill pen being used from a molted uh, flight feather, pre- preferably a primary wing feather for a large bird. So that kind of gets down to like, what are the best ones to use? Uh, so to, you know, she's another good use for turkeys. Like, uh, Maybe that, like those of you that are listening, you could think about that for next Thanksgiving is, uh, 
giving everybody a quill. You know, that could be a, like, a, that would be an idea, to, you know, for a centerpiece. Uh, give everyone a quill. Maybe go, if you're getting some heritage turkey anyway, be like, give me some turkey feathers primary. But they're not primary flight feathers because turkeys don't fly that I know of. Uh, but anyway, something to think about, something fun to do. And I'll, those will be included in the show notes. And uh, for now, that's it. Just picture turkey feathers uh, gracefully floating on the breeze or, you know, another bird that flies like a goose. Uh, do geese fly? I know when doves fly, uh, they fly across my heart into my dreams. Uh, so thanks for listening. Thanks for being here for season seven, episode one. Good nights.